If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com. And without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have a great guest on the line today. I'm talking to Julie Broad. Julie is an Amazon overall number one best-selling author. She's an international book award winner and the recipient of the Beverly Hills Book Award for Best Sales Book. She's an entrepreneur who has reinvented herself time and time again. She started out working um, right after college in Kimberly Clark as a salesperson. From that, she started real estate investing and started training people how to do real estate investment just like she was doing she transitioned from that into becoming a personal brand and a sales expert teaching people how to leverage their personal brands to create success for themselves and now she's currently in los angeles where she's launched a new venture titled book launchers where she helps entrepreneurs and professionals build their brand and boost their business by writing, publishing, and selling high-quality books. I'm pleased to have Julie on the show today to tell us a little bit about herself, her business experiences, and of course, her new venture, Book Launchers. And in addition to that, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur is also bifurcating into a new podcast, which I just launched now that I've moved to Canada. I mentioned it in the podcast a while ago. So I'm now new in Canada for about a month now. And the new podcast is going to be GTA Business Titans. Julie went to school in York University in this area. So obviously, she's going to be part of this the second podcast with this episode. So I'm just pleased to have her to tell us a little bit about herself, her business experience and her life. So Julie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much. What a wonderfully comprehensive <laughs> introduction. <laughs> you've, you've done your homework, that's did, for sure. I did a bunch of homework. <laughs> so like I said, Julie, you've, you've done a lot, man. You, you, you went a long way from, you know, being an introvert, not knowing anything about sales, working in Kimberly Clark, launching your own business, you know, becoming a personal branding expert, teaching other people how to do it to this new venture. So tell us a little bit in your own words, how everything came about and came together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tricky. I mean, the big thing was that, I, you know, when I started working at Kimberly Clark, I, I really enjoyed it. It was actually really quite fun. Yeah. But I kept thinking it's going to be a long life of working for somebody else. Like it just, you know, it just didn't feel like something I was like really excited and keen mm -hmm. to do. So I started looking at what else I was going to do and what other options there were. And that's really what got me into real estate in the first place. Yeah. And, and it's kind of a cool thing because uh, what got me into real estate was a single book. And wow. so this is this is kind of a theme, you know, is is a one book changed the course of my entire life. What and so I always that? think Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, Me too. And, a lot yeah, of people. And, and it's a big, a big, yeah. big one for a lot of people. But yeah. for me, it was just, there was a couple key things. And one of them was that I wanted to get my money working for me mm -hmm. uh, so that I wasn't always working hard for my money. And then the other thing was realizing that, uh, you know, I had done some stock investing. I actually paid for my first year of uh, college with the help of my dad doing some gold stock investing, mm. but I felt like it was lucky. And and so I didn't feel like I could repeat that. So I didn't want to go down that road, but I knew I couldn't start a business when I was going to go back to school, mm. um, which, which was my plan. 
So I got into real estate because it seemed like something I could do and it would run in the background, so to speak, while I did other things. Uh, and it was all kind of rich dad, poor dad that opened my eyes to those things. Mm -hmm. And so one of, the, one of the things I'm always telling people is, you know, your book could be that one book mm. that changed somebody's life. Mm. So a lot of people are always wondering, well, should I write this book? And, you know, is my story matter? And, you mm -hmm. know, you, you could have that book that changes somebody's life, which mm -hmm. is really cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I got into real estate at that point, but it wasn't my focus was wasn't real estate investing. It was just kind of that backup plan. Okay. Um, and then that's when I moved to Toronto. I was in Vancouver at the time. I moved to Toronto to do my MBA and I did real estate and finance, mm -hmm. which is funny because if you look back, I actually was always a creative. I was a writer. Mm -hmm. I was more interested in that kind of thing. But yeah. somewhere along the line, somebody said, oh, you don't make money writing. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> so I went to business school <laughs> and took numbers, which I don't like at all. But Tell me uh, about it. <laughs> So yeah, so it was a long, a long detour on the path where ultimately I woke up one day and went, well, what am I doing? You know, I'm working really hard building mm -hmm. somebody else's company mm -hmm. and not enjoying it. And so that was kind of the day I quit and went full time into real estate okay. uh, and real estate led to the books. Um, because we made some really big mistakes. And when I say mm -hmm. we, I'm talking about my husband, but at the time we were uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. I somehow mm -hmm. managed to convince him to go down the crazy road of investing in real estate with me. Um, and then he actually really liked it. So the two of us went a little gangbusters. And mm -hmm. at time, at times we were buying a, a house every single month. Wow. So it, it was it was crazy. Uh, but all of that led to lots of problems and stories. And, um, you know, for the Toronto folks, one that's close to home is we had a we ended up having a house in Niagara Falls that was deemed a crack house uh, by the local papers. And we had a property manager that got charged with manslaughter. Yeah. Um, and so it was really quite horrible. Uh, but these stories were actually great lessons for other people because mm. what happened was largely preventable. Yeah. And, and that's really what drove me to write my first book. Yeah. Uh, and that first book did so well that uh, it, it led to a lot of people asking me for help and me getting into that creative part that I've always loved, you know, mm -hmm. the writing and the storytelling and all of that. So it's a very long journey to get to this place where I am today. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, helping people write and publish and sell their books is is kind of a culmination of all my experience yeah. in my entire life coming together. Nice, nice. I love that. So you mentioned a lot of things here. I know. Tell us a little bit about the um, mistakes you were making in real estate, because Right now, the Toronto, well, real estate market across Canada is hot right now. I don't think um, the situation you had when you were investing is, is the same today. People are getting priced out of the market every day. So tell us some of the mistakes you were making and how you overcame them. And of course, that story about, you know, um, your building manager punching somebody and uh, being you know, charged with manslaughter, that, that must have been terrible. But I also know at one point, you had to move back in with your husband when you guys were newly married. This was around 2008, I believe, during that whole yeah. recession period. So tell us a little bit about those real estate experiences, the challenges, you know, moving back after being a professional, investing, you know, what was going through your mind when you felt you had failed and all that stuff and how you came out <laughs> of that. <laughs> a, a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, the, 
The first thing I'll say is that everybody always thinks that this market is different, but mm. 2006, 2007, the market was incredibly hot. Yeah. Um, and and we, were, we weren't doing deals in 2007 because the prices, we were getting priced out of everything. Mm. Nothing made sense. Mm. So it's funny, you know, when I hear people say, oh, you know, it wasn't like what it is now. I'm like, actually, it was it exactly was. like okay. that. And then everything crashed. Wow. So, <laughs> not, you know, I'm not saying that there's a crash coming, but it is a cyclical thing. It's a cycle, thing. yeah. And so, you know, I, the properties that we bought at the time, like 2006, it took a while for those to be worth what they were worth when we bought. Mm -hmm. um, but it's okay if you're making smart decisions, which is what I was t I talked about in my book. You know, mm -hmm. if, it, if, it, if you're bringing in enough rent to cover the costs, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's a lot of the lessons that I shared. Um, the whole story that you were alluding to was kind of that moment in my job when I realized I just had to quit. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was um, I'd been, I was the vice president of uh, sales and customer service for, for the company I worked for. Mm -hmm. And I, I reached this point where I'd been prepping for the year end where there was going to be a board meeting and we're presenting our targets and all mm -hmm. that. And I'd spent probably six weeks prepping and I presented it to my boss and he, he said, I'll review this and get back to you. And then he brought me into the boardroom and he slid this one piece of paper across to me and he said there are your three goals for your team and underneath are the four or five ways that you're going to achieve it so he was giving me targets and handcuffing me as mm. to how I got them and I felt completely like and none of this was actually in my plans mm -hmm. and in my proposal so I, I just felt like yeah, it was it was a, it was a moment of misery where it was just like, why am I doing this? Why am I working so hard to build somebody's company and they don't even believe in what I could do, even though you know I'd risen to the position of vice president in yeah. less than five years. So yeah, it was in that moment that I knew I had to quit. I didn't quit. I didn't say I'm quitting and storm out. But uh, <laughs> I quit. But, but I walked out and I called my husband and I said, hey, listen, I have to quit. And he knew that didn't mean I'm going to look for another job. He yeah. knew that meant like I'm done. I'm done. Um, but the timing was terrible, mm. absolutely terrible, because it was 2008. And real estate, which was the only backup plan that we had, was dropping all yeah. over the place. And it was just becoming, and financing, the banks were shutting the doors and they weren't going to finance, especially real estate investors, but they were limiting what they were financing housing-wise too, which was further tightening the market. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was at that point when I quit, you know, I was the breadwinner. My husband was a mortgage broker at the time, which meant wow. he was on commission and yeah. not making any money either. So for me to leave my job was not great, but, you know, we kind of looked at each other and went, well, you know, we do what we have to do. And mm -hmm. there was this, uh, this kind of saying I got from Keith Cunningham, who's a, a business mentor. And he said, you know, you can, if you know you have to make a cut, are you going to cut with a butter knife or are you going to cut with an ax? Mm. And, you know, it was just thinking like we could stay in our house, but it was going to be like a slow bleed with a butter knife, right? Like we yeah. were just going to be really uncomfortable. So we said, nope, we'll turn our house into a furnished rental and just chop it off with an ax basically mm. and move in with my parents. And that's what we did. And so it's, you know, every newlyweds dream because we'd gotten married that year, yeah. you to suddenly have no income and move in with your parents but we made it work and and it, the big thing was you know we had each other to yeah. lean on and to pick each other up and we had this mantra you know the, I don't know if anybody knows P90X but we were doing in the the DVD in the machine. That's what we always just kept saying to each other, you know, in the low moments. It was like just keep pressing play, just keep showing up, just keep taking action. Yeah. And and little bit by bit, big things happened. Hmm. I love that. I love that. So that all happened. You started taking slow repetitive action. Was this um 
the momentum that got you guys out of just investing in properties just for yourself to kind of becoming a consortium and get to raising money for people to invest in larger properties and then how did that lead to you training people to become real estate investors yeah i mean it's no it's not a straight path yeah. um, we'd already been working with investors at that okay. point but um you know the, 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 some of the investors weren't, it wasn't quite as sophisticated as we got okay. or as clear as we got. We kind of just cobbled money together. Okay. Um, and then we, and then we realized, you know, we need to get very clear on who we want to work with, mm -hmm. who's a good fit for us to work with, and then go from there. And it was through that um, when we were really hustling and we knew we had to grow our portfolio and get mm -hmm. capital to do it. That's when I started building the brand. Yeah. And that's when I started it. Cause neither one of us, my husband's more um, social than I am, but neither one of us are comfortable with cold calling or, you know, mm -hmm. asking people for money, which yeah. is what we had to do. So I started building a very strong brand through writing for other publications, shooting videos for YouTube and writing our own newsletter. And then I started um, finding opportunities to speak. And we also traveled all over the country for business masterminds, conferences. Like we did, you know, we had, we didn't have a lot of money and we put it all into our network and our, you know, getting coached mm -hmm. and doing those kind of things that we were investing heavily, heavily in ourselves. Um, and it worked. I mean, mm -hmm. it, we built a great network. We built a network of peers and also um, mentors that we could reach out to. Mm -hmm. And, and that ultimately having that brand where people started picking up the phone saying, Hey, I understand you're an investor and you'll, you, you're always looking for money. Well, I've got some money. I'd like to put it in real estate. So it started to reverse things where we were not looking for people. People were coming to us and we were evaluating whether they were a fit. Um, and the book was a big part of that. So when my book came out in 2013 and it went to number one overall on Amazon, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, it really changed things for us. Um, our training and education company, our workshops filled months in advance. Our, our mastermind mm. groups were full. Um, we were adding seats to those. And of course, we started getting calls from random strangers um, saying, hey, I read your book. You know, do you have any properties I can invest in coming up? So the book was a game changer. And mm. not that I necessarily feel I could have written it earlier than I wrote it, but had I been, had I gotten on board and written it sooner, I, yeah. I think you know, we could have grown quicker and sooner. Um, and, and I'm glad, I'm, I'm really glad that I invested in that book. Mm -hmm. Uh, not, not just the time, but I, I hired editors, I hired yeah. coverages, you know, I, I did it exactly like it could be a traditionally published book, which is yeah. why it's on the shelves of chapters in Indigo because okay. nobody can tell the difference of, yeah. between yeah. this book and a book published by Penguin. Nice. I love that. I love that. Yeah. One thing I got from that is that, you know, the introverted nature of you and your husband, although he's more social than you, led you to say, hey, I'm not going to do cold calling. I'm not going to be aggressive and put myself out there and be shouting and trying to attract business. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are that way. You know, they don't have the um, gregarious nature to go out and be banging on doors and getting business, especially if the business is either struggling now or trying to go. So things like you did writing articles being on youtube do you think those strategies are going to work for you know local businesses or small businesses in and around the, the gta area or anywhere else somebody is listening to this podcast before we even talk about the books 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's what I've done to build book launchers, you know, in Los Angeles. You, you you position yourself as an expert and when people have a problem that needs a solution, they'll go looking for the solution and if you're there, mm -hmm. then they're going to call you. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you, but it does take a lot of effort. And this mm -hmm. is the thing, like pe people think, "Well, I put out, you know, I did 10 videos on YouTube and nobody's watching them." Mm -hmm. You have to keep you have to keep doing them. Yeah. Uh, and you have to consistently do these things mm -hmm. so that over time there's a massive amount of content out mm -hmm. there. There's a a massive number of people who've heard your name yeah. so that when some somebody's saying hey I'm looking for somebody who does X you're the first name that comes to mind mm. and that and that takes time you know it's not something that's instant uh, it's it's hard because the quicker solution is to go out and hustle yeah you know and get out there and so I think initially when you're starting out you have to do both and yeah. I did both um, and it's uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. if you want to survive, you have to do what it takes yeah. and just know that as long as you're still consistently investing in doing those things that build your brand, uh, you will over time find yourself in a position where you don't have to get out there and uncomfortably hustle anymore. Mm -hmm. People are coming to you. Oh, great, great. And as we're talking about branding, I listened to one of the interviews you did. You have a magic formula for branding and being the expert at getting yourself out there so let's quickly talk about that and then we can um, transition into your new venture you know i was actually just thinking about the magic formula last night and i was going do i remember what it is <laughs> <laughs> and and it's funny because this is this is what happens when you you constantly creating you content and i've yeah. moved into a totally different space yeah. Yeah. but yes okay let's just see if if we could you probably know it better than me <laughs> well you have the, to show up on google you have to i yes i'm an yeah, expert uh, exactly. your character yeah, the M is the one I'm trying to remember. So I remember the A is appearance, and okay. so your appearance absolutely matters. People yeah. will make a snap judgment, and there's some great stories I think in my in my book, The New Brand You, where I mm -hmm. talk about this woman in Las Vegas. So I went in for a foot massage, um, you know, those little kiosks mm -hmm. and stuff, and I'd been walking in at this conference, and I was so she, when as I walked in, she said, "Oh, Miss Successful Business Person, I have a question about my boyfriend's business." And I kind of stopped, and I was like, "What makes you think I'm a successful business person?" She goes well, you are, aren't you? And, and I said, well, I said, I have a business. And, and she said, well, it's just the way you're dre you dressed and you walked in here with confidence. And I was like, okay, mm. cool. And so I looked around and there was this woman walking by and I said, what about her? You know, what do you think of her? And she goes, oh, she has three kids. She's a soccer mom. She's here. She's going to let loose for a bachelorette party. And then, and then another guy walked by and, and I said, what about him? And, and she said, she said, oh, he's, um, he works in finance or insurance or something. Um, he's here to let loose. You can tell, like, he looks like he's he's kind of stuck up, but he's got sandals on, so you know he's not here for work. Mm. And sure enough, he walked in, and he actually had, I think, an English accent, um, but he was there for a bachelor party, but he worked at, like, Prudential or, you know, some sort of a financial yeah. company. Um, so she was making, and those were judgments fast, yeah. but she was actually fairly accurate. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very careful about the message you're putting out into the world mm. with your appearance. So that was the A. Um, just knowing, like, you know, it's not necessarily fair, but we inherently judge people, period. Mm. Um, that was a, the G, as you said, was Google. You know, you are who Google says you are. I mm -hmm. think it's pretty widely known now. You need to make sure that you're managing your online reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, the I was the expert. Uh, you know, I am an expert in. And if you're just starting out, it's just doing the things that you need to do to build your expertise and mm -hmm. grow your expertise and making sure you're picking a small enough niche that you can be the expert. You can mm -hmm. always uh, widen it out later. The C was character. And this is both in terms of who you hang out with and, you know, the things you do. Do you do the things that you say you're going to do? Do you follow up? Do you show up? Those are all important. But the M for the life of me, can't remember what the M stands for. 
well, well, I guess they're going to have to go get your book on Amazon That's if they right. want if they want to get the missing piece of the puzzle. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so that's great. And now you've transformed yourself again into a booklaunchers.com. You're the president of booklaunchers.com. How did booklaunchers.com come about? I know you talked about writing the books and whatnot, but what what was the specific problem you were trying to solve with this company? Yeah, so I, there was two problems. One was myself. I didn't want to coach people anymore. Okay. I really wanted to hand them a solution okay. um, because I found after years, I think wow, seven years of running a coaching and training company, I found that a lot of people didn't do the things that they needed to do. And I really wanted to have a company where I said, here, we'll do it all for you. Uh, and so that was kind of, that was part of it. And then my love of books, but the, the, I'd self-published two books, you know, more than cash flow and the mm -hmm. new brand you, mm -hmm. and through that, you know, it took me hundreds of hours to figure out how to do it. Well, like, mm -hmm. again, I wanted to do this just like it was being traditionally published. So I wanted to, you know, I had to hire all the experts to do all the pieces, mm -hmm. like the editing, the layout, all, you know, and it, it was a real pain. So besides the fact that I actually had to invest, you know, almost $10,000 in each book, which was wow. fine, but it was the time. The yeah. time to hire the people to figure out who's the right person and then the figuring out how to get distribution and all of that plus the marketing. I just kept thinking, why does nobody do this? Like, why isn't there a company that does it from start to finish? And I mm -hmm. found companies that would do the marketing. Mm -hmm. I found companies that would do the editing. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't there wasn't anybody that was helping you from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And the big kicker is that if you don't plan the marketing before you start writing, you're going to have trouble in most cases selling wow. your book. Wow. That's so why? Why wasn't anybody helping people from start to finish? Because the end, you know, starting with the end in mind, really. Mm -hmm. No, and that, that, what you just said now just brought me to thinking about how movies are launched and they become popular. Like, like right now, Black Panther is a hot new movie. And, I, and I'm just thinking, you know, as soon as it was released, everybody started seeing interviews of all the actors on almost every channel simultaneously. So that means that this was already lined up months ago. So that once they say, hey, the movie's coming out next week, every content they had already built up to get people to say, hey, let me go watch Black Panther. Like, I could not go on YouTube for days without seeing something about Black Panther from everybody. That's, yeah. that's what forced me to go watch the movie. So that's, that's very clever that you would say, you know, you have to apply that process to writing a book because people think, okay, let me sit down, write my book. When I finish look for somebody to market it or maybe do ads or something like that and try and get the book out there. Yeah, I had I had a lot of people. So, you know, because my book did so well, I ended up helping a lot of people on the side. And even mm -hmm. as I moved into the branding space, helping them with their book. And one thing consistently kept coming up was people with a finished book, um, they would put it on Amazon and it wouldn't sell. Mm -hmm. And and as we dug into it and tried to figure it out, it was very obvious that they didn't have a hook. Their mm -hmm. cover wasn't positioned well. Mm -hmm. Like they just, they just hadn't thought through how they were going to sell it before mm -hmm. they created it. And then to go back, nobody wants to go back. Once your yeah. book is done, nobody wants to go back and fix these yeah. problems that will, that will make it sell. And so that was something that became very obvious to me mm -hmm. uh, that that people were missing that piece. And the reality is, there's over eight million books on Amazon. Yeah. So if if you're not doing this right, your book is just going to sit there and you're going to be lucky to sell a copy. And everybody always thinks, well, my friends and family are going to support me. No, your friends and family are the ones that want free books. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then they don't read it. I mean, I probably, I can probably count on one hand how many of my friends have actually read my books. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, you know, the ones that'll say, yay, good job, you know, and they'll give you the thumbs up on Facebook, but they're not really your supporters. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. That's very true. So this 
company, you, you have a team, you're in, um, I'm looking at your address here, you're in Jefferson Boulevard in LA, you know, yeah. right at the middle of um, the hub of business activity. How are you going about getting people to know you and then come to business with you and write books with you? And then what's your marketing strategy? One, well, not even before. So once they become your client, how do you start positioning them? Because I'm, I'm sure you're not going to get only business people. You probably get a couple of doctors or athletes mm -hmm. or something or actors, different people from all walks of life are going to come to you. How are you going to start thinking about, you know, placing them in different media to get them to get their books to where they're going to actually be seen and read by the people that want to read them? Yeah. So if I'm understanding, there was two questions. One yes. was how do how do we market our company? And mm -hmm. then how are we figuring out, um, you know, how we're going to each person? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the marketing for our company, interestingly, my first 10 authors that signed on were people who knew me as a real estate investor. Okay. So they were people who I had already, I had a strong personal brand. Mm -hmm. And so even though they knew me as a real estate person, they still were like, Oh, we know she, you know, when she says she's going to do something, she mm -hmm. does it. Yeah. You know, she has integrity. We know she's had success with books. Mm -hmm. So they signed on. Um, and then from there, a lot of what we've done is, you know, podcast interviews. I've done exactly what I've been talking about. Yeah. I, I have a lot of YouTube videos out there. I've, I've connected with other people who have the same target audience as me, mm -hmm. and I get in front of those audiences. I do speaking engagements. I just spoke in Orlando at a podcast, yeah. uh, at a podcast event. And I also Podfest? have you were at Podfest, Podfest. Yeah, yeah Podfest. we were at Podfest. Nice. Uh, and uh, and so those are kind of the, the the key things that drive people to know about us. And mm -hmm. also in Los Angeles, well, all over the world, there's these WeWork offices that are yeah. co-working spaces for a lot of entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and professionals. And so I do a lot of events and and a lot of networking uh, through those offices because they're the perfect market. So it's always figuring out where is that ideal person. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you, you know, it's it, in the beginning, it's hustling, and that's yeah. what I'm doing a lot of right now. I'm building, but I'm also doing those pieces that mm -hmm. will build the awareness. So I don't always have to be Absolutely. out there in my in my last cup, in the, that zone that's not that comfortable for me. I know is important um, for our clients. It's similar in that we're always trying to figure out who has the same audience with as them, but isn't a competitor. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I have one client who's writing a book on fitness, and she recommends a couple programs and a couple pieces of fitness equipment. Mm -hmm. So we're we contact those companies and see they have newsletters because her com her book is a third party recommendation of these pro these programs and these services. Mm -hmm. So they might promote her book in the newsletter. They also might be bulk buyers. They might take a look at her book. Oh, this is awesome. We want all our clients to have a copy, and they might buy it. So that's a really strategic way to move a lot of books really fast, mm -hmm. especially if you don't have a newsletter of your own or you haven't built a strong platform already. Is figuring out how can we do that. And by the way. That's also why it's really important to think about marketing mm. before you write your book. Because initially, she wasn't mentioning a company name. Mm -hmm. She was saying, there's some, you know, this equipment does this and this and this, but she didn't mention the company name. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, well, if you mention the company name, we might have more marketing opportunities, mm. right? And so it's very important. She didn't want to alienate other companies, but yeah, at the end of the yeah. day, by, by choosing, by putting a stick in the sand, she now opens the door for them to support her book right, where yeah. it wasn't open before. Yeah. So 
it's um it's really really important but that's really key like that's kind of the biggest fastest way to get your book mm-hmm. of course social media is an option but people people don't buy books from a social media recommendation very mm. often like you probably have a thousand people posting on it before two people buy a book yeah. like it's just it's a really slow trickle so you want to go for the high impact you know where can i get the most yeah. uh and, and from the least amount of effort and mm-hmm. those kind of situations that we're looking for for the most part we we look for podcast interviews and um, we put together press kits and we do some of that stuff mm-hmm. but the the real like mileage that we're going to get big results for our clients is those kind of strategic partnerships mm, i love that i love that now um as we start to wind down the show like I said earlier, one thing about you is you've, you've seamlessly transitioned from different business to different business to different business. So let's talk a little bit about the mindset of being able to reinvent yourself and finding new opportunities. Because today I took an Uber ride and I, was, I always try to um, converse with my Uber drivers. I was thinking of starting a podcast called uh, Conversation in Ubers. So I asked him, you know, I said, hey, you know, how long have you been doing Uber? He said, oh, not too long. I said, do you like it? He said, no. I said, why? He said, oh, it's just something to survive. I said, okay, so what was your profession? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I was an insurance broker and a financial advisor. And then I said, what happened? Well, he didn't go to the long and short of the story. But basically, you know, I think his job, he got laid off or got transitioned off. And he just needs to um, survive. And he's doing an Uber job. But a lot of people, as, you know, life is changing so rapidly, we find ourselves that, one thing we started with, or you studied business and finance in school, you're not necessarily doing that now, you know, you have, but you've been able to thrive and survive despite everything going on around you. So tell us a little bit about your mindset and how you are always able to stay ahead of the curve and keep reinventing yourself despite any change that may come your way. First, it's not seamless. So it's funny when you say, oh, you've seamlessly moved from this to that, and it makes it sound like it's easy. It's not. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uncomfortable. It's scary. Mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always scared. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, this might not work. I mean, we, we picked up, we left Canada where we had a very comfortable existence. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't have to work very hard, and the money was coming in, and mm-hmm. we basically picked up and moved to a country where we didn't know very many people. Uh, I mean, something I'm sure you can relate to, you yeah. know, in a city where we don't have friends, we don't have family, we don't have yeah. support, and we, we did that with the baby. So everybody wow. said we were absolutely insane. Like, my, we just had a son um, after it's five weeks we was five weeks old when we got our visa wow. and moved down to the States. So, um, you know, it wasn't easy at all. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. And so that's one thing is I want people to know, like I, I was still terrified, but I did it anyways. And I yeah. think the, the, the mindset, there's two pieces to this. One is that, um, once you've done something mm-hmm. that you're proud of, that, you know, and you can look back and you can go, man, I was scared. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if I should put money into this. I didn't know anything, but mm-hmm. something inside of me said, this is what I need to do. And you did it and you succeeded. Once you've done that once and you can really own that mm-hmm. achievement, it gets, it gets easier mm-hmm. because now you have a, a belief in yourself, yeah. right? Cause that's the piece that's missing for a lot of people is, is they don't necessarily believe they can do it. So mm-hmm. every time you do that, really own it and be like, yeah, way to go. Like you were scared. You didn't know you put money into it that you didn't have and look what happened. Mm-hmm. And if you fail, that's okay. Learn from it and go, okay, what am I going to do differently? You know, just cause you have a setback doesn't mean you can't learn from it and get the same thing because we've have definitely made mistakes. And yeah. that's what the whole book was. You know, my, my book did so well because we made mistakes and they were horrible and we learned from them. 
So I always say now, I'm like, if something's going wrong, I'm like, oh, this is going to make a good chapter in my next book. Mm -hmm. And that's how I approach it. Um, you know, I'm like, ooh, where's the juicy learning that I can take away from this so I can be, a, I can be better. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the two pieces that I think are really essential is believing in yourself and mm -hmm. really owning when you achieve, but also owning it when you fail, because mm -hmm. both of those things are what propel you forward. Nice, nice. I love that. So um, as we're still on book launchers, um, we were talking about your giveaway that you have on your website. So it's um, eight ways to s sell a thousand copies of books for a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that and then... Um, Tell us what people, uh, just tell us about that first of all. <laughs> yeah, so um, my, as I mentioned, my first book went to number one overall on game, on Amazon. So I'm talking like it was ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of the Game of Thrones wow. series. Number one overall is a print book selling for $22. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, everybody says they're number one Amazon bestseller mm -hmm. now because that's yeah. some sub, in a sub, sub, sub some, category. Sub, sub niche. Exactly. Yeah. And so this was overall, so I sold thousands and thousands of copies in a few days just mm -hmm. to get there. Um, and so this book, the uh, game selling or the book, yeah, the game, the game plan, the book selling game plan, there we yeah. go, um, is exactly the things that I did to get my book to sell. And the best part is I spent zero money on marketing. Wow. Um, I didn't spend any money to get my book to that point. Later, I paid for PR. So I did do some PR, but that was actually months later. Okay. Uh, so that's what the that's what the game plan is. It's the exact ways that I use to uh, sell thousands of copies of my book and stay in the top 100 overall for 40 Five days, uh, so you can get that at booklaunchers.com forward slash sell books. Okay, and um, on the topic of books, also writing a book is one of the, the most difficult things a lot of people say. So, mm -hmm. what's been your process of writing and producing best selling book after best selling book? So my process was atrocious. And so I don't actually work. I don't actually get our clients to work with my process because <laughs> okay. it was terrible. Um, what I did was I brought on an Emmy nominated writer okay. who is spectacular and he works with clients to develop an outline. Okay. And it's not just any old outline. It's a juicy outline that's going mm. to create a great book. And so it does two things. It gets the author excited about their book. Mm -hmm. So they're excited to write it, which is important. And the other part is that it's going to position the book to be much easier to sell. Um, with a great outline, it's much easier to write. And so I'm actually working on a third book and I'm working with our writing coach. And now if I only have 20 minutes to write, I just pull up the outline and I'm like, oh, okay, that's the section I need to work on. Okay. And I just, I can, I can, I can hammer out so much more in an yeah. efficient manner. It also allows for people who hate writing to to speak it and trans get it transcribed. Okay. Um, without a granular outline, it would just be nonsense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you'd just have random ideas all that you'd have to really, really work through. Mm -hmm. um, so a great outline is the secret. But we also have ghostwriters because ultimately there are some people who won't write, hate writing, can't write. Um, and so we have ghostwriters who will take existing content and they'll massage it into a book. Or we have a ghostwriter who will literally write your book from start to finish, just interviewing you to fill in the gaps. Okay. And does the ghostwriter get credited on the book also or no? Okay. No, it's still your book. I mean, at the end book. of the okay. day, at the end of the day, the ghostwriter couldn't write your book without you. Yes. The ghostwriter's just, I mean, if, if somebody put writing. Well, 
Those yeah, it's putting it. it's putting words, and they're interviewing you, so it's still your expertise. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like I always think, because I'm a real estate investor, I always think it's not like if uh, if somebody swings a hammer mm-hmm. on my house to fix it or even to build it, it it's not like they're the owner, yeah. right? It's not their house. It wasn't their vision. Mm-hmm. It's it's still my house and my vision. So I, I see the ghostwriters really as the same. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do give credit to their ghostwriters, but really the way we're working this, the ghostwriter is just a tool yeah. to get your done. Nice, nice. I love it. And as we start to wind up the show, I have just a couple wrapping up questions for you, Julie, before I let you go. So the first question is this. Um, what are some of the books, tapes, you know, me- messages you've already mentioned? Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know one of your favorites is um, Pitch Anything by Oren Clark. <laughs> you uh, really did do your homework. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah. So um, apart from those two, what else have you consumed or leveraged to help you become a better entrepreneur? Uh, lots of stuff. I mean, in the early days, yeah. I read everything by Michael Masterson. Okay. Um, but I mean, early days, like like early 2000s. Yeah. Um, more recently, Kevin Hogan okay. has played a really big role in, you know, he's got lots of great books on psychology and persuasion. Mm-hmm. And anytime he has an event, I'm always there because mm-hmm. uh, it's always cutting edge. He always goes into the like research, like the the what's happening right now in influencer persuasion research. And so he presents those kind of things in a manner of how do you apply it in business. So he's brilliant. Um, I've spent a lot of time with him and, and he's, he's played a big, big role in what I do and how I do, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much everything. Um, podcasts, I've, I've really gotten into podcasts lately and I love James Altucher. Uh, he's got a wide variety of guests mm-hmm. and and they always cover, he digs in. Like he yeah. never lets somebody get away with that surface yeah. answer. Uh, and so I really like that and it helps pick you up, you know, on those days when you're kind of like, what am I going to do now? You know, mm-hmm. I'm a little stuck and I really like that too. Nice, nice, nice. And in terms of advice, so you've got way ahead of the game in terms of entrepreneurship. Like I said, you're in different industries. So in terms of looking back on your career, if you could go back and advise yourself when you were first starting out, what what would you tell yourself to do or to watch out for? This is always a hard question because I'm really grateful for every experience. Mm-hmm. And if anything was different, I might not be where I am today. Okay. So it's tricky, right? Because I'm, you know, as much as I think I went all over the place, mm-hmm. it's created who I am today to, mm-hmm. To be, to be the perfect person, I think, yeah. to do the business I'm doing. That said, if there was one thing that I might try differently, so, you know, you had an option to, you know, let's see what happens down this path. Mm-hmm. I would never have gone to, I wouldn't have gone to university. Oh, wow. Uh, I would have uh, sought out a me- mentor and even paid them, like paid yeah. them what I would have paid. Um, I would have sought out somebody who was doing what I wanted to do, which was, you know, build a business that could impact and help people. Mm-hmm. And I would have paid them to learn from them and work, you know, even work with them mm-hmm. and, and really absorb so I could launch into entrepreneurial venture sooner um, if that was one path. But again, I'm, I'm really happy with where yeah. I've ended up. So I don't know if I really do want to change it. But yeah. yeah, university, especially the MBA, not necessarily mm-hmm. undergrad because I didn't know who I was then. Yeah. Um, but really like doing my MBA, I would go back and that would probably be one point where I would take a different path. Yeah. And I, and I completely agree with you because I know even when I was doing my master's, you know, the same issues you you felt you experienced, I experienced also this was almost when, 2008, 2009. So they would tell you, oh, wear this suit, go to this interview, exactly. use the jargon and everything. And it was just like, you know, by the time I ended up getting the job after the master's, I felt like, you know what, 
I don't think this is what I actually had dreamt of doing, you know. I didn't dream of coming to a cubicle to sit down and just um, do the Excel work and then go back home and come back and do it again. You know, I dreamt of doing, create like like we are talking on the podcast now, I, I dreamt of doing different things. And I know different people have that, but when you have debt and you have um, liabilities coming out of school, you find that you actually need to take those jobs so that you can live. Yeah lay those debts down so i think that is the biggest problem because if you have to go into debt to get an education to get a job to pay off the debt there's something wrong with that cycle yeah it's not i mean it's fine if there's certain careers you want right like if you want to be a a if you want to be a dentist exactly a dentist a doctor but if you know and in your heart you're an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. you know what it's going to be a rough couple of years getting yourself started anyway so why why saddle yourself with debt just go out and start doing those things and and it's tough. Like we moved back in with my parents, but I could have been moved back in with my parents, you know, four years or five years prior to that mm-hmm. and slugged it out yeah. um, a lot sooner and, you know, gotten to where, you know, where I might be happier because that's ultimately, you know, what I think most people want is to mm-hmm. be somewhere where they feel fulfilled and happier. And, you know, they obviously need money t- to be living on to do yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a slog no matter which path you take. And mm-hmm. people see school as the easier path, but I, I see it as a detour for a lot mm. of people. Yeah, true, true. And as I wrap up the show, um, I guess for the new podcast and the people listening in the GTA area, you know, what's some of your parting words of wisdom and advice for people listening in the GTA area as well as the rest of the world? And then well, tell know, us where we can find you. <laughs> I, uh, so two things. One is I, my my mantra or my saying is the missing piece is always action. Okay. So you know, just take action because it's never clear and it's never going to be all green lights. Mm-hmm. So you just got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing. And then specific to Toronto, you know what I will say is is the GTA, I think, is one of the most phenomenal markets in Canada mm-hmm. to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a great vibe. And from somebody who has spoken and ran workshops and ran events, Toronto is always my favorite place mm-hmm. and the easiest place to get people in the room because it's a vibrant, you know, energetic market of people who are keen to create a great life. Mm-hmm. So whatever Whatever it is that you're doing in Toronto, my guess is that you will be able to find a market for it if you figure out that hook and how to yeah. define yourself. Because, um, yeah, in Canada, that's, I think, the best market there is. Great, great. And with that said, Julie, thanks for coming on the show to share your words of wisdom. I really enjoyed spending the one hour with you learning more about you, your business, your life experience. So tell us a little bit about where people can connect with you find you get your books and of course if they want to reach out to you and talk about um helping you helping them out with their new book where they can reach you for sure so booklaunchers.com as we already mentioned forward Mm -hmm. slash sell books gets you the game plan but it also gets you the newsletter Mm -hmm. which when you hit reply it does go direct to me uh so if somebody's slow replying to you it's because i'm busy (laughs) but (laughs) but i do always reply and uh so that's really the best way to connect with me if you want to you know ask questions youtube is a great place i'm always hanging out in the comments of my youtube videos uh you know i answer often within an hour sometimes because i really am in youtube a lot Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be booklaunchers.tv is a great place. Uh, and then I was going to mention something, oh, the books, um, Amazon, (laughs) just go to Amazon, you know, amazon.ca.com in the States and just search my name, Julie Broad. Great. And I'll put all that in the show notes. Um, once this episode is ready to go live. So thanks a lot for coming to share your story, Julie. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to teach us a little bit more about being a better entrepreneur running um, real estate ventures, and of course, the art of writing, marketing, and publishing books. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.